the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. And here we are. Jacob, have you got your microphone and your earphones I don't know. Can you hear, Can you hear me? I can hear you. Well, I, I'm th- I don't know if I can hear you or and, not. And millions of our listeners can. <laughs> I, I actually can't tell if I can hear. Both of them, both of our, listen- both of our millions of listeners can hear you. Uh-huh. Jacob is in the house. I'm in the house. Thank you for joining us. This is The Bible Live. Tonight we're talking all about the... Book of the Acts in the New Testament. The and Acts, not, the Acts. The Acts. Get the Acts. Yeah. No, the the Acts. Well, in some Bibles, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, which is interesting. It covers a little bit some of their actions, some of their activities after the uh, ascension of Jesus. But also here in uh, uh, the New Testament, we see God at work. I, I like to call it more the Acts of the Holy Spirit. because Actually, uh, that's better. Is it better? It is better. It, it's, because the Acts of Apostles was not added until the end of the second century. Is that a fact? That hmm. is. What was it called before that? It was actually the second book of Luke. Oh, <laughs> second Luke. Second Luke. That's right. And, and, and then when Luke. they reorganized it, they put stuck in those other Gospels. But it, had I been organizing it, I would have put Luke less instead, last instead of John, then continued on. And then it continued on. Yeah, well, you know, they didn't ask you, right? That's, that's, I did not get the call. That's the problem. But it, it, it is a great, great... Book. I, I I love this time of the year. I love the book of Acts. I really do, Jacob. But for some reason, it it seems like one of those books, along with the, now among the Gospels, I, I like John the best. He seems to explain more of the things, the kinds of questions that I like to ask about uh, this 
you know, this God, man, the, the incarnate son of God, he answers questions about uh, the incarnation, about the nature of God and so on, how God, you know, how it could be done, how that could work, you know, in a, in a real sense, not just something that we kind of say, you know, but, but that how is it that God uh, was able to, to become, in a very real sense, really a man. Well, that that's covered in, in the John in the Gospel of John, I think, uh, better than elsewhere. It, it seems to me to make sense. But now we come to the the book of the Acts, and right off the bat, in Acts chapter one, Luke, as you have mentioned, is giving the uh, he is writing this, and he is the only. Greek or a non-Jewish author of a book in the New Testament. He is um, writing about uh, what happens here at following the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And in chapter 1, verse 8, he kind of gives an outline of the book. He says, uh, Jesus is appearing. Uh, the apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking him, um, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replies, um, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But what verse are you reading? One verse eight. Well, that was chapter. That was verse seven. Oh. Six. They ask him the question, Lord, has the time come? And he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, which is a remarkable statement. In light, and maybe it raises the question, well, well, if he's the son of God, wouldn't he know too? How is it that the father knows, but he, well. No, uh, it was actually the preamble for the old TV show, Father Knows Best. Father Knows Best. <laughs> That's really good, Jacob. Uh, but they are not for you to know. But then he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember, he's promised them that the comforter is going to come when he uh, exits the scene. He said, I got to go away, guys. I got to get out of here. Why? So the Father will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that has a very... Special. It's not like the Comforter. God's Holy Spirit has never been on planet Earth before. Uh, he participated in the creation of, of the planet, of, of the universe. Uh, so he's everywhere present at all times, as, as, as all the persons of the uh, Godhead are. But he's coming in a new relationship with his people. He says, uh, so you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, people in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That outline right there, that is that serves as an outline for the book of, of the Acts because what we're going to see then immediately is how the Holy Spirit begins there in Jerusalem. Uh, they are, they, they're, it's the church or, or the people of God here, the new, this new era, this new time begins in a prayer meeting, which is very, very appropriate. Uh, in chapter 2, there's a prayer meeting and, and God meets them and the Holy Spirit comes in this new way, a new way of relating to his people. Uh, and we can talk more detail. What does that mean? But I like that because I like the fact that we're reading it now because this is uh, the first Thursday of May is this coming week. And that's the National Day of Prayer. 
It is. So I like I like it that we're reading the, from the book of Acts, the church or the the uh, people of God here, uh, this new era beginning in a prayer meeting, how important and crucial prayer is to our lives and to even to the work of God. He he works in some way through the prayers of his people. He He moves people to pray and stirs us to pray his will back to him. And uh, we see it began in this prayer meeting in Jerusalem. Then it goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, then on out to uh, uh, the uttermost parts of the world. That's that's the outline, if you want, if you want it, of the book of the Acts. Uh, we watch now as the gospel, this message of God's love, this confirmation of the fact that God created us, that He is there, that He loves us, that He's personal, that He's knowable. And this message of how we can have a confident, secure relationship with him just spreads like wildfire across the Roman world of that time. And I'm going to ask Jacob about that. And just from uh, I, I, I am very, very curious about this, this time and this period of time from the point of view of what in, in one sense, God's from the big picture. Uh, uh, from God's point of view as to what's happening in the world, not not just uh, Israel and not just, you know, the Jewish people, but and not even just the Gentiles, but this view. And I've often said this, Jacob, I often paint this picture that when you're looking at a map in your in your let's say you're sitting in your study or in, in your uh, somewhere in your in your studying the the world or the United States, you look at the map and you see all the cl- all the states of the United States all clearly delineated. There's Texas, there's Oklahoma, there's Louisiana over there, and New Mexico, and Colorado. You know, you see all of these states, and you see the dotted borders of every state where one begins and the other ends, and they're all clearly delineated. But if you take an airplane and you fly over America, and and you're looking down at the window, down at the, you don't see all those dots. You, you don't you don't see the 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 borders you don't see the separation where, where texas begins where oklahoma you know starts where texas ends and oklahoma starts and so on i guess it, I, if there's a river we would notice that if that's the dividing point but um, my point is is that when you get up and you're looking from the big point of view you don't see all the individual necessary aspects you see the whole and i sometimes i think of that as a god's point god's point of view we down here we we put people in categories we put labels on them we call well you're a jew well you're a, you know you're a uh, gentile you're a Presbyterian, you're a Catholic, you're a Baptist, you're this and that. And, and we have these names. And, and, and I don't think there's any particular wicked about it. I suppose we're trying to understand and trying to define what people think and the different ways that we see things. But uh, I, I think in the book of Acts, we get a chance to take a look at the, the redemptive plan of God has been carried out now. And now the Messiah has come and they have this explosion of this message of God's love and forgiveness. It's not a new message. The message was there all through the Hebrew Scriptures that God is a loving God, He's a powerful God, merciful God, a forgiving God. You, we've talked about it many times. So it's not like a new thing, but it's a greater detail and a confirmation of those that uh, I, I, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, to, to make it clear. To Yeah, but he also continues. Can say again. Uh, he's got a comma. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. Comma. Uh, and then he gives us a standard. Uh-huh. He said, until the 
earth and heaven disappear and not one jot or tittle will change. Uh-huh. In other words, and if you look up and there's the sky and here's the earth, then nothing in God's laws has changed. That's right. And essentially, nothing has changed about human nature. We're Actually so. And we you know, still... that's what I really liked about when you said you'd call this like the acts of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because as I read this, and today, uh, this afternoon, I, I went and got uh, some old literature from uh, Wycliffe. Mm-hmm. You've heard of him? I've heard of that He fellow. is not a seagull. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a seagull. <laughs> uh, okay. And so, but he's a very famous old preacher, right? And, yes, Wycliffe, yeah. Wycliffe, huh? He's one of the, uh, historically, I think he's one of, the, in the time of the Reformation, wasn't yeah, he yeah. one who helped uh, kind of usher, or maybe it was at the end of the Reformation, he, Wycliffe was a, a one who was really devoted to the scriptures. Yeah. And today there's a number of ministries named after him, but one of them in particular is a missionary organization that goes into desolate, kind of abandoned, remote areas where nobody's ever heard of the Bible, and they go in and they they become a part of that people. They join that people group. They learn the language. Most of the time, these languages are unwritten and unlearned, so they learn the language and they translate the scriptures into the languages of these remote groups. It's a wow. it's a fa- That's fascinating sort of like ministry. Going to Chicago, isn't I it? think they <laughs> they go to Chicago and they learn to talk uh, <laughs> yeah. the Chicagoan. No, uh, but it's a really amazing ministry. I know a number of folks yeah. who have worked with, and it takes a tremendous amount of devotion because uh, they leave family, they leave their culture. And they go live in some of these very primitive situations. Uh, some even pay with their lives. You know, they, well, they go actually, and the people the reject them. I brought them. that up is because he agreed with you. Oh, good. Wycliffe. Uh, well, that's... And, and he agreed that this really should, and that's where I learned, it was really not called the book Apostles uh-huh. until like the second century. Uh, but he said this entire book is really not about the apostles, but it's about what the, how the Holy Spirit came and how the Holy Spirit acted through the apostles. Yes, yes. And so that's kind of what you said at the beginning. Yeah. You'd change the title. And I'm thinking it should be changed after I read his stuff today because I'm thinking, and you picked on it because uh, it actually is. And he's saying, and when you read this, the stuff you just read, 7 uh-huh. and 8, he's saying, look, it's the Holy Spirit. They waited for the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's what the the literature That's what says. he told them to do. Wait. Well, the, but wait. the literature says it. Uh-huh. So that he he act, he did it. They did it. Mm-hmm. And then how they acted was once they received it. Mm-hmm. So Wycliffe was making the point that, by the way, did you know that Wycliffe's writings, though people don't acknowledge this very much, pr- about 80% of what he he wrote was taken and used by Martin Luther. Yes. Martin Luther was not the originator of it. No, no. He it was, was a very Wycliffe. good theologian, Wycliffe was. He, yeah. I, 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 I admire him greatly. Of course, that era, that time gets kind of... Well, we have heroes, we have martyrs, we have people. It's a very remarkable time. But let's... let's we also let's have euros. Huh? We have euros. <laughs> the sandwiches, you know. Euros, you said heroes, and I said euros. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're a master of uh, language here, uh, details. But the the point is, is that this is. Rem- I, I want to kind of get your read on this because it it, it it is like I said, it really isn't anything particularly new, right? I mean, it's the same God, the God of Abraham, th- Isaac, I, I, and Jacob. I, I don't think it's new, and I would like to add 
Uh, as you were suggesting, especially since uh, coming up is that day you said, what was it? There's something about coming up this week, maybe? Or? Uh, the, this week is uh, the 30 day. Isn't it 30 days or 90 days? What? What, what? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I'm talking about your, the thing at San Antonio, the National Day of oh, Prayer. Oh, the National Day of Prayer, right, right on right. Thursday. Uh-huh. I hope nobody heard me whisper that. Thursday, May the 3rd, yes. Ah, uh, okay. So when, that's this week? That's this week. So. Thursday. In that idea that there is an assembly, right? Yes. An assembly. Whoa. So an assembly would be what happened with, may, may I say, that Jesus was doing at the what's called the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mountain, uh-huh, mm-hmm. which actually is commanded by God in Deuteronomy chapter 31. And actually the word assembly is... I suppose it's got to be one of the best translations for the word ecclesia, which we actually, call the church now. Actually, I looked it up today. Right? In Acts 5, 11, the first time the word church is used in the Christian Bible. Is that right? I Acts 5, 11. I looked it up today. Even in that verse where Jesus talks about, uh, and I will build my church upon this rock, he tells Peter, is that not the word ecclesia? I don't. Think so. Okay, well, we'll, we'll take I, I got this from Wycliffe, so mm-hmm. I'm wrong. He's well, wrong. <laughs> we're not going to say we're not going to criticize Wycliffe today for uh, sure. But I will tell you that today, just is as the, an interesting this is the week side, of the second Passover. That's right. What is the second Passover? Well, if you were late, actually, it's not this week. It's today. Yeah. Oh, it's this very day. This yes, that's right. This very day. This uh-huh. very night. If you were late, second if you were somehow detained or if you un, on a business trip or or something serious that you were una, unable to. Uh, near relative. Yeah. My, yes. You were you were involved. You were engaged and, and had to be doing taking care of this matter on Passover. Then 30 days later, there well, not was 30 a. 30 days. No, no, no. No, not 30 days. No, no, no. Not, did you say 30 days? I did it's not, not 30 days. I, I did not say 30 it's days. It's not 30 days, Thank Jacob. Thank you for yeah, I'm glad I was able to catch that. But uh, it was some period of time afterwards. <laughs> it was actually uh, at, it's the second year after the first Passover is when it was implemented. And they came and they said, Yeah, but how long after the first Passover was it? It would be. Um, it wasn't after, a month? No, it wasn't a month because uh, they have to mourn for a certain number of days. And they have to do certain rituals, as I would call them. So actually, this takes place, but it's and it's pronounced, and you can say the pronunciation really easy. Really? Yes. Mm. It's Shani. Shani. Oh, that See? sounds so, Apache like to me. Indian, it sounds like an Apache word. And that means second Passover. Okay. And so this Shani. is for the people that were bearing a relative, or, or for some reason could not participate in the first one, but they he, they didn't want to get left out, and they said, "Hey, Moses." Can we do this again? And he said, sure, we'll do it again. So this is the second one, and it's actually in the book of Numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe mentioned in the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. So I remember reading so they, it, and we, we remarked on it at that time. Right. Uh, some people were, were late, or they were detained, or they, you know, and they were able to do that. So that's today, huh? It's absolutely All right, today. for all of you latecomers, you, you, can, you still have time before midnight, right? If you get it in the, in the mailbox by midnight. It, it right, and if you order today, you get the combination hearing aid Vegematic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, that's this very day. Interesting enough, and then of course, uh, the, the the National Day of Prayer comes up on Thursday. Uh, now, this prayer meeting. Let's go to the Book of Acts here. This prayer let's meeting go to the happens. Book of Acts. What do you say? On this prayer, this prayer meeting happens on a certain date too, doesn't it? 
It's on. Is it you on? Know, that is so interesting. That's chapter two. Is that well, fifty days after something? Uh, it, after it, Passover, fifty days, and it's got a term that the Greeks have named it and everybody knows, called Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah, so, it cost a penny. Uh, so That's actually, it. but before we get there, something else remarkable happens. Oh, really? Before yeah. Pentecost? Hmm. Uh, well, right before, because what happens in in uh, chapter one. Uh, verse uh, 15. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm there. something about there's a gathering of 120 people. Right. They do what Jesus told them to do. They go to uh, Jerusalem. Probably they think that this gathering uh-huh. took place in that upper room where they celebrated the uh, the Passover. That That's what some people think. They conjec- I don't know where they get I the idea. I, 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 there's still a menu that we have. Okay. All right. Well, then but, that- but why? Why do they want us to know it's 120? Why is that number, out of all the numbers in the world, single love? 120. Would that be any way at all related to the idea of 12? Yes, it is. But times 10. Times so, 10. Yeah. See, you're good with math. I, <laughs> that's more like arithmetic. That's just. So, um, you're good with arithmetic. 120 believers. And I'm good with English. Okay, tell me why you think the number of 120. Well, it's telling us it's, it's 120. It takes 10 people. Now, you can pray. I want to stress. You can pray any time. Just individual, all by yourself. Uh-huh. But it takes to have an official gathering, a minyan, takes 10. The Hebrew word is minyan. And so it takes 10. What they're trying to tell us is there are at least 10 from all 12 tribes. So we've got the whole nation of Israel represented in a way. Okay. So there they are. And that does that does bring up an interesting The point that I'm interested in getting to is I, I, I want our listeners, whether they be Jew or Gentile, uh, who who love God, the God of the Scriptures, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What and so if on. they don't love God? Uh, well, well, you too. You can listen in, and and maybe there'll what be something. Mean, that what sparks. do you mean, you too? Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> you too, Jacob. Yeah, right. uh, uh, no, but no, you folks too. I, I, what I'm trying to say is that I would want to take for a moment. Let's get up in that airplane and let's look at this event taking place, not from the point of view of Gentiles or Jews or that, but just trying to get a sense of the. the redemptive plan of God moving forward. And this is a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal time. There's something definitely definite and clear that happens uh, in the redemptive plan of God. In other words, it, it explodes out of Israel. It, it, from, from this point on, I mean, uh, what God is doing and, and the people coming to God, it, uh, the, the prayers of the psalmist are going to be answered. Let all the nations praise the Lord. Let all the nations glorify God and know, celebrate God. Uh, it, this begins to happen now in the big, big way that this message just explodes across the Roman Empire, across nations, people groups, language groups, culture groups. And so we see the, the redemptive plan to just explode now. And I want to kind of get a sense of how that is viewed from both points of view, because clearly, as we've delineated many times already, one of the one of the aspects of the, the, the spiritual life on, on planet Earth at that time uh, had to do with God's focus and his 
uh, th- th- those who were primarily involved in in holding forth the true and living God and keeping alive the wor- the worship of of monotheism and the true God, one God, uh, has been the people th- this people group called Israel, the chosen people. God's God had chosen for this earthly. Co- earthly covenant to i'm going to i'm going to use you and i'm as a ministry of of of, of, of revelation to the world and keeping alive the wit, the witness and the worship of the one true living god but but the whole plan all along was that that they that this message would expand to the whole planet and it takes this dramatic jump in this period of time and and i'm kind of curious as to how that is viewed um we Gentiles kind of have one view of it. We kind of, we go to this time and, we, and I think there's a lot of Christian uh, Gentiles are here and around the world who don't realize that basically it wasn't new that this all came out of the Hebrew revelation, the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the, the Moses and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and well, the people of Israel. you were talking about Pentecost. Yes. And so Pentecost is Pentecost 50 days. Exactly. This, All of this has something. And what is the, this is an anniversary date. The anniversary date is when they received, as it says in the book of Acts, uh-huh. they received the quote unquote Holy Spirit. But and this it, is also the time that the people of Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai received the Ten Commandments. That's right. Uh, and in Hebrew, it's called Shavuot, and that's coming up. Okay. And they have a tradition that Jews do of staying up all night and studying the Torah. And I, I, I basically always participate in that, and I'm planning on participating in it this week or this year. It's just uh, it's on May Shavuot 10th, I believe. precedes Pentecost? Or huh? What's that now? It, it precedes Pentecost? No, that's, no, that is Pentecost. That is Pentecost. Okay. The Hebrew <coughs> word is Shavuot. <coughs> Uh, which oh, means weeks, uh-huh. and uh, and it says in Leviticus, you shall count from a day forty nine days. Seven, yeah, uh-huh. seven days. So that's forty nine. Then the very next day is Penta, fifty days. Mm-hmm. So um, and so these guys are getting the Holy Spirit on the anniversary day that the Ten Commandments were received. In the anniversary date of the, the death of the Jesus, uh, the yeah. who who was crucified at Passover. And so, I mean, it's all, it's all truly of one piece. What I and I hope you get the idea is what I'm trying to take a look at these these pivotal, these explosive events, the the missionary journeys of of the Apostle Paul. Take a look at those now, from both sides, both perspectives of the, the redemptive plan of God. Now, there's our music is all it's coming up already. It's called "Lift High the Cross." And we're glad you're here, folks, with us. We're going to talk about the book of Acts tonight, and I hope that you'll stay with us. Don't forget the National Day of Prayer on Thursday of this week, first Thursday of every May, uh, and we'll be meeting. Uh, There'll be meetings across the city. Churches will leave their doors open, special opportunities to pray for America, pray for our leaders, pray for our world, uh, pray for our families, our community here. It's a great time to pray together in united prayer for our land. And so that's on Thursday. And at noon, there's a great meeting on the steps of City Hall. I hope you might be able to join us. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Jesus redeems us from the slavery of sin. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by Amy Boucher-Pie. Amy writes, We found our visit to Christ Church Cathedral in Stonetown, Zanzibar, deeply moving, for it sits on the site of what was formerly the largest slave market in East Africa. The designers of this cathedral wanted to show through a physical symbol how the gospel breaks the chains of slavery. No longer would the location be a place of evil deeds and horrible atrocities, but of God's embodied grace. Those who built the cathedral wanted to express how Jesus' death on the cross provides freedom from sin, that which the Apostle Paul speaks of in his letter to the church of Ephesus. Ephesians one seven says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Here the word redemption points to the Old Testament's notion of the marketplace, with someone buying back a person or an item. Jesus buys back a person from a life of slavery to sin and wrongdoing. In Paul's opening words in this letter, he bubbles over with joy at the thought of his freedom in Christ. He points, in layer after layer of praise, to God's work of grace for us through Jesus' death, which sets us free from the cords of sin. No longer do we need to be slaves to sin, for we are set free to live for God in His glory. Sometimes we need a little extra motivation to help us spend time in God's Word each day. And now it couldn't be easier with email devotionals from Our Daily Bread. Sign up for the daily encouragement at getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Get connected with AM630 The Word on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and TuneIn. Click on the icons at the top of the page at am630theword.com. That's am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Former One Direction singer Zane has put out a new single called Let Me, and the tune starts out with an undeniably flesh-focused first verse. From there, however, Zane expresses a longing for something more than just a casual physical relationship. Instead, he wants a permanent one with the woman he loves, sounding closer to a wedding vow than a pickup line. For the rest of my life. Unfortunately, in the real world, when physical intimacy outpaces commitment, the possibility for heartbreak gets amplified significantly. And that's a subject this song doesn't deal with. So I'll give Let Me a two and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review, visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Family, Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. 
to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We are back with you, in fact. Uh, this is the Bible Live you're listening to, and when Jacob and I are just now getting into kind of our topic, I guess I use that first segment just to kind of introduce kind of what I want to look at, the the, the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is this remarkable time, this, this event. Uh, it's called the coming of the Holy, Holy Spirit, but I, I really don't like to call it that because it gives this idea uh, the Holy Spirit is coming to planet Earth, or He's. He, and it's not about that. It's not like I mean, if the Holy Spirit is indeed God and He's everywhere present at all times, He's He's already been here. He's been here in the Old Testament. He's here during the life and ministry of Jesus. He was He was already busy at work. But there's a new relationship that comes about because of the finished work of Messiah. Jesus had completed his work as the Messiah, then we have, uh, we believe that he was indeed that, that long awaited, that promised, predicted Messiah, that Redeemer, that Savior. and mistress, misunderstood by almost anybody, everybody universally uh, as he came, uh, uh, thinking it was a political or a military liberation or something. But uh, he himself says, you know, you, you don't understand my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. I'm not here to uh, sit on a throne or lead an army. I'm here to, to bring about spiritual uh, renewal, spiritual, uh, to do a work of atonement, to allow uh, fallen men and women, sinful men and women to be reconciled to, to the true and living. God. And so it really is just, like I said before, it's a continuation of that theme of reconciliation and redemption that's in the in the Hebrew Scriptures all through it. Uh, but it's another step forward in, in, in carrying that work out. In other words, uh, the work of redemption had to be carried out. It had to be it done say, in time and space. It does yeah. say in uh, Isaiah <laughs> that uh, my house will be a house uh, for all nations, mm-hmm. prayers for all people. So we know the ultimate outcome is going to be that. You're right. So how we get there may be part mm. of the story. Isaiah, Amos talks about uh, there will become a time and there will be a pour and, out my spirit on all too, mankind. Yeah. And So th- this was always anticipated, <clears throat> but when it actually happened, this is exploding across the across the boundaries and the borders and around the world <clears throat> something happened there that that I, I and i'm i'm kind of curious because in the midst of all of the book of acts you you see this the, this grinding of the old against the new i mean and it's not universal. It's like it's not like every person, every Jewish person rejected it. All of the early believers here were Jews. They were men and women. They, they kept the commands of God. They followed the commands of Messiah. They, he taught the Torah. They followed. They continued. They were all Jewish people. They didn't cease being Jews in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so they. But then there were other other Jews who didn't get it and who didn't. Who 
who fought against this this movement, were threatened by it, were somehow, you know, and in were in the Christian movement, there were some who understood that it came uh, right out of the the Hebrew revelation, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of uh, you know Jehovah and so on, but there were other Gentiles who probably didn't. Even, either weren't that aware of it or didn't think it was that important. or <clears throat> And even today, there, as I was saying, there are a lot of Christian believers who don't really understand that, according to the Bible, we're the ones, we're, we've been grafted in. We're, we're, we're now part of Israel. We've, be, we've come in to be part of the people of God. you got to give up that graft <laughs> and all that vice, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. No graft, no vice. No, no graft, no vice, no, uh, you know, Keep, you know, all these things. Okay, so I want us to look at it from the point of view, uh, from that point of view. How? So let's say what we, happened here. I think here? we can agree in the Book of Acts that it certainly <clears throat> is, as you said, it was spread. Of course, the spreading was not necessarily voluntary. No, right? no. Uh, That's he, why it's the acts of the Holy Spirit. Because exactly. if it indeed was the acts of the apostles, they never would have left Jerusalem. It well, seems well, like well, they would have yeah. stayed right there, nice and comfy. Yeah, and, and, and the truth is, even in the Book of James, if you look at the, how he addresses people, he says to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Yes. So he's writing to everybody because everybody was sent away from Jerusalem. In fact, just uh, just a short segue, one sentence or two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, at the time the Second Temple was destroyed, and AD, is, AD seventy. Uh-huh. And it's not really mentioned in the book of Acts. No, so, it's not. And the other thing that's really not mentioned is what's presented by, I think, Luke in the book of Acts is he presents Paul as being rather flexible. Because remember, he talks uh, about uh, um, circumcising Timothy because mm-hmm. he's half Jew, half Greek. And he does circumcise him. And, and, and he returns from his third missionary journey to Jerusalem, and he goes through the well, ritual of I don't purification. The, I don't know that no? the trip is, what trip it is is that important. I think what's important is that he's fle- the flexibility. Mm-hmm. He's, and Paul says, even in the first... Corinthians, as I recall, he's saying something about to the Jew, I'm a Jew, to the Greek, I'm a Greek. I can work with all people. Give mm-hmm. me what you got, I'll work with it. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, uh, but there is something interesting. When I first read the book of Acts, I'll tell you what I did. I sat down and I tried to take all the rest of the letters, the epistles, they're called in English, or uh-huh. old English. And I took those and I tried to place them where they occurred in the book of Acts. I tried that on my own. Uh-huh. I, I deluded myself that I was fairly successful. And then I... <laughs> and, uh, th- th- I'm interested in that statement. That sounds interesting. So, How do you delude yourself? Actually, some of the incidences that Luke records is a different presentation than what the letter says written by Paul. But... And I saw some of the scholars that I was looking at today saying, well, this proves dot, dot, dot. But the scholars always want to find things to focus on themselves and how smart they are as opposed to what it says. Uh-huh. But see, to my, my way of thinking, a guy that's recording not, not history, but a story. Luke's, uh, Luke's recording a story, not history. There's certain historical <laughs> events. But the guy that was actually doing it, would have a different perspective, say Paul. So I, I can fit them together fairly well because it tells you in the book of Acts he went here, so you look at the letters that he wrote at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it can, I think I can kind of assemble it and say, well, this begins to make a little sense. In fact, I Good. Did, the first time I looked at the book of Acts, I kind of equated it 
two, <coughs> pardon me, because there are four, because there's the Torah's five books. Uh, the first four, God's talking. The last one, Deuteronomy, Moses is talking. In fact, God doesn't start talking to Moses again until like chapter 21 of the book of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. So it's really Moses talking. And that's really the groundwork why Jesus did the teaching on the mountain. Mm-hmm. But so I kind of looked at the book of Acts as kind of being the story that matched with the book of Deuteronomy and uh, the four Gospels matched with the four books of the Torah. That's kind of how I approach it, but that would be from my perspective. That's interesting. That's about when I got through this. I wonder if you're the first t- person to ever think of it in that way. Uh, I would guess not. <laughs> I, I would kind of hope not, not. You know, because surely uh, when I find myself being the first one to ever think that thought, I, I think, oh, you must be, it must be wrong then, because surely somebody would have thought of it by now. Well, I, I, uh, I, would, get, I would bet against myself. I yeah, think. yeah, uh, I, I, I hear you. But I do think that we could agree that generally the book of Acts is his journeys, I think, not to, he does visit a few Jewish places, but it's generally to the rest of the world, the non-Jews. Would you agree with that? Yes, to, you're talking about Paul, Paul in his yeah. missionary. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think so. I, I believe that that's a uh, that is actually even addressed directly. It says, "I have turned." You know, now I turn to the to the Gentiles. I'm I'm going to the Gentile people. He calls himself the uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. I believe. Um, uh, yeah, that takes place without a doubt. And I know but see, you're one of the few uh, informed, committed, you know, uh, Jewish people. That, and it looks like it, it's not like I've known a whole bunch of folks uh, from that point of view. I've been involved in the missionary field for 47 years and taking the gospel around the world. I, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about some of these things until we were here in San Antonio and started with the Bible live broadcast and the scriptures. But you seem to be one who truly loves Jehovah, the laws of God, and so but you've you've not been instinctively or necessarily um, what I'm saying, you're not trying to, you, you, you somehow have been open to, well, let's, let's give this Jesus guy a chance. Now, you've had all the other opportunities to think, you know, about how Christians uh, uh, persecuted the Jews and so on and so on. But you've been able to get past that and just look at the book and look at the person and look at history, see what happened. And uh, you seem to see it in a very, in a positive way that, 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 wow, this was, this is the completion of all David's prayers. This is, there, as it says in Isaiah or as Amos, there, there's a time when it's going to bust out of the seams of, of Israel and out of, out of the borders of Israel and out, away out of the people, you know, uh, into all the nations and so on and so on. So you seem to see that and see it somewhat as positive and not reactive to it. And I'm wondering, is that is that just because of you or, a person, or uh, I, I, surely there are I, others too. Uh, uh, I, I don't think so. I think any fair-minded person that hasn't got a emotional axe to grind uh-huh. uh, can look at anything and read it within the four corners of the document and say, "Well, this is what he's saying." I will tell you this: since uh-huh. we're talking about this, one thing that always amazed me. I always heard all my life that, well, and frankly, you know, for most of the Christian sector, that Jesus was saying, "Do away with the law" and that kind of stuff. And I always thought, well. <laughs> 
you know, because uh, you wonder, well, why would he say that? He's Jewish. And then you wonder, well, this is odd. So I started... And particularly, why would the Messiah say yeah, well, that. I, I didn't understand that. So yeah. I sat down I, I started reading. I said, I wanted to see because I hear that kind of thing a lot. And then I discovered that's not at all accurate. In fact, I, I was shocked to find out that that's not at all what he's saying. And uh, and you see in the... I think the, that was your lawyerly, cantankerous mind at work. Maybe. that Analysis, I guess, is be a strength. But I thought, you know, and actually, as you go through the book of Acts, there's incidences where the Jews review the actions of the Christians. And uh, one chapter that's very interesting <laughs> to me is chapter 10 about the Cornelius character. Okay. The, the other one is chapter 15 that's uh-huh. very interesting to me. Now, I know we're not to it tonight, but next week we will, I guess. Uh-huh. That we get down to where Paul actually is going to the temple and doing all the Jewish stuff. That's way back in the end. Well, of we get to chapter 15. Yeah, no, we'll, 15 we'll get to, but uh, I'm talking about in chapter oh, 22 and 24. Uh, okay. But in chapter 10, we got this Cornelius guy. Now, I even... Even this week, I heard some, a preacher on the radio saying, "Well, you know, the Jews didn't like him, and uh, and they didn't want him, and all that kind of stuff." And I and I said, "We are our own worst enemy." I think we kick we kick ourselves in the backside. Well, I go back and I read chapter ten, and I read and I read the verse that says, "He gave alms, he prayed to God, he loved that, and then he, he loved God and everything." Uh-huh. And then he says, and it says, and he had a good reputation and was liked by all the Jews. And I'm wondering, now, where's the preacher getting that he wasn't liked? Because it says exactly the opposite. And then I realized they misunderstood what the who the what the law was. That the law was that if a Jew converted a Roman, the Jew got killed, but the Roman lost all his property. All his property and possessions. Yes. Yeah. And then you got the other famous incident. That's and so that's why, I just to sure. fill that in, that's why Paul warns, I'm not Paul, Peter, warns Cornelius and says, uh, he, uh, you might not want me to come into your house because of, it's not because we Jews that we don't have anything to do with y'all. Yeah. And, we and they say, we, and he says, that's what's confusing, <clears throat> in all fairness, he says, we have a law. People that are unknowledgeable will say, oh, that must be a Jewish law. It's not a Jewish law. It's a law. Roman law. It's a Roman law. And so he's saying, we have a law that's imposed upon us. Like if we had a law saying that black people can't own property, or Mm -hmm. Indians can't own property, Mm -hmm. right here in Texas. I know somebody in their deed that actually says Jews and Catholics cannot own real estate. Now, that's (laughs) illegal now, but that was in the deed. I saw the deed, and I said, Uh Jews and Catholics cannot ever buy this property. So that was the law imposed upon them. In fact, I'll tell you, it was Uh right up on Blanco Road. How about that? I hope it didn't... Property I live on. <laughs> well, could be. Yeah. So because, because so, I'm a Jew. Then you now, get the so. other incident that you read uh, in Acts chapter 15, the famous circumcision. Mm-hmm. Now, what's fascinating to me the first time I read that, I I said, well, I know what this is about, and then I heard some uh, a couple of preachers explain, and I thought. Well, that sure is different than what I know, <laughs> because it says, uh, should we take a look at 15? Would you like to? Let's stay on 10 for a moment. Okay. I want us to do both 10 and 15. Stay, let's go to Cornelius first, chapter okay. 10, because that 
Actually, fifteen ten leads to fifteen. Right. Chapter ten leads to chapter fifteen in a way. So let's take this. Peter is up in uh, Joppa, up in the northern uh, right. part. He gets this this vision or this dream uh, that God lowers all these different foods down to him from the heavens, and and, and there, you know why that's confusing? Why is because the analogy, the example that's being used is food. And they're saying, ah, well, the, that's about kosher food. And it's not about food. He's using food, probably a poor example. But he's using food as an example that all people are okay. Because uh-huh. he's not deciding that he can eat Cornelius. Right, exactly right. Well, well, he has his vision, yeah. and he has yeah. his dream, and so he's he's thinking, what, is it, what could that mean that God tells him to take and eat? And he says, God, I can't eat those. Those are not clean. And he says, what I've called clean don't you call unclean and all and so peter is still pondering this and wondering what in the world could that mean and these these guests show up at his home and and they say we've come from this man named cornelius and he wants you to come uh he wants you to come down am i getting the story right am i remembering yeah, 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 yeah. and so peter goes with them and he goes down, and this this is a Roman centurion, a, a, a Gentile, and of the Roman persuasion, uh, and so on. But he's a man who worships God. He's admired and appreciated well, by, in fact, by Jewish people. Verse, sure, 10, go ahead. Ten twenty two, and this is why when I heard that picture this week saying that, I thought, boy, I haven't read that. So I went back and I looked at it, and ten twenty two says they. Uh, the Jews said, Cornelius the centurion is righteous and God-fearing, a man well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. And he was distinctly, he was divinely directed by the holy angel to send for Peter. And I'm thinking, well, where's this guy getting that they didn't like him? Yeah, yeah. Well, he sends up for Peter. Peter also gets alerted by this dream, and so he he comes down. And then this momentous—it really is a momentous event. It, it, it um, it's not an isolated event. It's probably it's not like no other Gentile. Uh, in fact, I've often wondered if Cornelius mm-hmm. might oh, not have been that. that centurion that Jesus met. Uh, remember the and he said I've not seen such faith in all of Israel and uh, just in my mind it kind of but anyway I know there have been other Gentiles uh, both before and during the ministry of yeah. Jesus that that followed after God but here's this guy who does in this new era I always remember the Cornelius from the Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> You know, I haven't seen one Planet of the Eights movie. I have never been able to get interested. You should have. You know, why this whole month's dedicated to him? Did you know that? No. Yeah, this is the April. 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 Oh, gosh. Well, (laughs) April. (laughs) Yeah, it's just about over, too. But anyway, uh, the the point is, is Peter comes. The scene is set here for some. This is a remarkable historic. It's right here in the heart of the book as it begins. This historic clash, in a way, Uh between old. The Old Testament, the old view, the old uh, uh, working, the old uh, uh, the, the way things had been, uh, and all of a sudden well, and, and you have this where it, new it, development. Yeah, here's where it clears it up, that the food is a symbol for human beings. Not that he is saying, yeah, it's okay, you can eat Cornelius, he's, it doesn't matter if he's kosher or not. <laughs> uh, he's not talking about eating him. He's saying it's a symbol, and people get tied up with the idea of the symbol. But here, uh-huh. listen to this. This is what it says. 
And uh, this is the verse we were talking about a few minutes ago. 10:28. And he said to them, this is Peter saying to them, Cornelius and his people in the house, uh, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that uh, I should not call any man unholy or unclean. So the vision of the animals was nothing more than a vision to illustrate about people. And, and of course, the law he's referring to is the Roman law. Uh huh. It's not the Jewish law. But, um, so, it, it, so Peter was not being uh, standoffish. He was not, because he was a Jew, he can't eat with the Gentile or going to. He was actually saying what he said mm-hmm. for Cornelius' protection. You, Actually, that's exactly you, it. You may not and, want and me to come in. That's brilliant. It was. I wish I'd have said that. In fact, I will later. <laughs> I but, think you did at one time or another. But, but yeah, he was, and that is the Jewish idea. You know how you hear you hear people uh, in the, uh, the if a guy's walking down the street and he has like leprosy, he calls out unclean, unclean. unclean yeah, uh-huh. Well, the Jewish idea is not that he has to self denigrate himself. It's not about that. It's about the protection of others. So you're always taught not to think about yourself, but to think to the harm you're doing to somebody else. Good analogy. And this is what Peter yeah. explains to Cornelius, but evidently Cornelius is willing to take the risk. Uh-huh. It's worth it. He's, he's received this vision. He loves God. He thinks there's something important here. And, and Peter comes in and presents the, the four spiritual laws. <laughs> he goes through the gospel message with Cornelius. God loves you. There's a wonderful plan. The problem of sin, the solution that God has given in his son. And and Cornelius, oh, I'm joking there, folks, just in case you're listening. He presents the message of just in case redemption. <laughs> yeah, just in case you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but he, he presents the, the message and... Wow, and behold, these people love God. They're responsive. They're hungry for this message. Uh, and they embrace immediately this Redeemer, this Savior, this this further step in, in what they understand is God's confirming his message of hope and of forgiveness. And, and they embrace Jesus as Messiah and Savior. And they have this same experience that they had seen in other believers in Jerusalem at Pentecost, there was this when there was the Holy Spirit comes upon new believers for the first time, and they there's this explosion of languages. They begin to what's called glossolalia. They begin to speak in languages and tongues that, that without learning them. And same thing happens here with Cornelius. He had they have, and I don't really, to be can honest, you, I wasn't you, there. I don't know what happened. Can you speak Korean. Spanish only. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. So if I told you I was speaking Korean and I made up something, you wouldn't know if I was telling it or not, would you? I'd pretty well know that you're not. Oh, uh, yeah. How is that? Because you know that I'm not I'm making it up. <laughs> you're making it up, yeah. if I walked up to some guy in the street that can't speak Korean, I started to say, yeah, I'm talking Korean, dot, dot, dot. He wouldn't have any idea if I'm talking Korean or not. No, you're exactly right. So in okay. the book of Acts, when this, uh, how, what's the word you use? Glos- glossolalia. Oh, it's glossolalia. I thought it was like a... Glossing over something, you know. It's, uh, it has to do with the tongue, if I remember correctly, the the yeah, actual translation yeah, of the word. But anyway, probably, but but the point is, that's why it says that it can't be done. So if it can't be done, unless there's an interpreter, 
that means it's something you can control. It's not involuntary. Exactly, exactly. And so there must be an interpreter. Yeah. Well, if we want to take that little rabbit trail, I, I think what you see in, in we won't explore this exhaustively, no, I but I think what you see in the book of Acts is there's two things, two different things we call tongues. One is the experience of Acts chapter 2, which is called uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's speaking in an actual language without learning it. Right. And, they, and people heard them speaking their own language. And they recognized right. it. Right. And the other is what Paul refers to in Corinth where he talks about ecstatic utterance. Uh, and that is a – and that was not new or that was not uh, – only a matter of uh, Christian religion in churches. In fact, ecstatic utterance was a standard part of pagan worship yeah, in the temple. Ecstatic utterance, like whoopee. No, not static, oh. ecstatic. Oh, yeah, okay. they would get they would get high on alcohol oh, or drugs. Tell you next week, I am going to show you in the Book of Acts what language Jesus spoke. Okay. It's actually next week, so everybody listen next week, and we will know exactly what language Jesus spoke. Well, and, and continue listening this week as well. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we, we, we are, yeah, you go home now. Okay. <laughs> Click. I'm going to go now. I'll listen next week. Oh. But uh, we're just coming up on our break. So I, I, I want us to, when we come back, we're going to keep on, we're going to see what actually happened with this new group. Cornelius and his family members, it was a group of Gentiles. They had the same experience, this sign that God was at work in them. As well. and, and they take something very important from this, that, that something new. I guess it's not, it's not totally new, but it's a, to a new degree. In Hebrew, this is the interesting thing. The word new and renew is the same word. Huh. Something new, nothing new under the sun, right? But we'll come back and talk about Cornelius and how that feeds into this this amazing conference in Acts chapter 15 that has set the stage for even the times in which we're living today. It, it sets the stage in uh, looking at the book of Acts from the point of, from the both the Jewish and Hebrew perspective and the Gentile perspective, and see. I think there's a lot of common and I'll ground. I say, is it a sin to think of Jesus as the Messiah? This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. This is the Bible Live, our back. final segment. I can't. How does this. How does this. These minutes of this hour and a half go by so quickly? I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm just not enough it. time for you to talk, right? Uh, it's not. I just can't get a word <laughs> in edgewise. But no, let's get down to it then. A let's stay with it. Acts chapter ten. We have Paul now, uh, or Peter. I'm sorry, and, and that's interesting. That is Peter. Oh. It, 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 it's before the emphasis turns to Paul. I mean, at this point, the, it, the spotlight is still on the apostle. It's on Peter there, and uh, uh, so we see Peter comes down. He talks to Cornelius. There's this amazing conversion. These people embrace the message. They respond to oh, it. Oh, I got a great segue. Okay. 
if this is Cornelius, and if Peter's talking to him, does Peter tell him you got to be circumcised? We don't have a record of him telling him that. That's uh, right. Well, we don't, do we? No. No. And that's why it's a segue, perfect segue to Acts 15. All right. It moves us right on to that experience because uh, Peter, is it Paul or is it Peter that goes back to the the council in Jerusalem? It's Paul. They call this council uh, ten, uh, five chapters later. Yeah, but I noticed that when he's talking to the Cornelius and the <clears throat> other folks, he doesn't say a word to them that no. they got to get circumcised, do they? No, they don't. And, and all he says is when can anyone... Uh, that we see the same thing happening here with that this is and they take this as a sign that this is a confirmation of the new order the new way God is dealing with his people and that uh no longer that it moves across jewish gentile it, there no longer do we see that that border now God is calling to all people everywhere and he responds and they they baptize he and his family are baptized and and they come in they they become, I think in their minds, they become Jews. Uh, I don't think Cornelius thought, well, now I'm not a was, Jew anymore. I'm, there, I'm a, a Christian time, now. For a long time, there know? was no distinction, even in the Jewish mind, between, and this is a good segue, uh, too. There was, for a long time, there's no distinction in the Jewish mind of the followers of the way or uh-huh, Jesus. Uh-huh. There was no distinction for a long time because... Could they say, I think Jesus is the Messiah. I believe in him as a Messiah and still be Jewish? Well, the answer would be yes. But some people might say, no, I think Thutis, because we passed him already. You, you asked the question a while ago, yeah. but as we were going through the break. Yeah. Is it a sin, and I, yeah. I assume you're meaning from the Jewish from perspective, the Jewish, yeah. is it a sin wow. to think or believe that Jesus of Nazareth was and is the, that was Messiah? Jesus, what would Jesus' full name be? Hmm. Jesus, that might be it. The uh, Dios, bar 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 Yahweh, bar God. Or? Well, it's interesting. If it's Joseph, it'd be Jesus Ben Joseph. Uh-huh. Or if it's God, then it'd be uh, Jesus Ben Adonai. Is that hard for you to say, Ben Adonai? Is it, it maybe a little hard for you to say? John's holding up a sign saying his name was Jesus H Christ. <laughs> John, go, go to your room, John. <laughs> okay, here's the here, but here's the deal. Now I want. Uh, it's because of the baggage and luggage okay. that uh, the idea brings with it. But thinking or believing that somebody is the Messiah, no matter who it is, like some people thought the Rebbe that died in '96 uh-huh. in New York, uh, a real great scholar. They thought some people thought he was the Messiah. Well, of course, in the Jewish world, uh, not everybody did though, and so it's not ever a sin to think somebody's Messiah because either you're going to be right or you're going to be wrong. But people have made mistakes. So if a per- Jew says, "I think Jesus is the Messiah," he can say that. That's not the issue. It doesn't make him not, and it doesn't make him not a Jew anymore. It doesn't. Or s- but what will make him jeopardize his Jewish status is to say that Jesus was God. Okay. That's the issue. 
So uh, can a person say, I think uh, Moses was the Messiah? Sure. Do I think uh, the Rebbe was uh, the Messiah? Sure. Anybody can say anybody. I can believe anything I want. Uh Uh, That's not going to jeopardize anything. Now, I will tell you, and this is important to know, in the Orthodox world, in fact, it's a group where I keep a membership, uh-huh. there was a book written by a very Orthodox rabbi five, six years ago, and I think you still got my book, I think, <laughs> and you never gave it back, you. I think. It's called Kosher Jesus. It's called Indian Giving. Yeah, uh. Have you ever heard of that? <laughs> Uh-huh. Anyway, okay, you gave it. Uh, I think I, I think I loaned it, <laughs> but I never got back. That's right. Okay, it was written by a, a very. Notice I used the word giving, yeah. <laughs> not loaning. Okay. Well, anyway, go ahead. Sheesh. Listen, both of you are talking to me at once. We can sing together, fellas, but we can't talk together. Okay, go for it. Um, so, but uh, it's called Kosher Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a very orthodox rabbi. And he got in a little bit of trouble with a lot of other Orthodox rabbis for writing the book. Uh, now, the reason that he wrote it was he said, look, we don't have the right to disregard Jesus as a Jew. For us to do that is to actually do something God commanded us not to do. But, and he says in the book, I personally don't think Jesus was the Messiah. But I can commanded to not disregard him, even if he is not the Messiah, but he because he was still a Jew. Now, what scared some of the other rabbis was the fact that it's so easy to take that small step and jump over and say, well, Jesus was God, son of God, that kind of thing. But if for their, in their world, if you don't take that step, there's no issue about saying anybody. I mean, I might be wrong, but I could say that John's the Messiah. I chances I would be wrong, but uh, are you talking about our John right over there? Any John you like. <laughs> uh, but but my point is that I could be wrong, right? There are certain requirements for the Messiah, and in the Christian world, they like to always say, "Well, he did this, and he did two hundred of them, or three hundred of them, or or seventy-five miracles." Yeah. But that's not the final one. Now you had said something to me during the break, and I said, "Ask me on the air; I'll answer you." What was it you were going to ask me about? I said, is it a sin to believe? Oh, yeah. You said, is it a sin to believe uh-huh. that Jesus uh-huh. was the Messiah? Uh-huh. And and I think you're answering that uh-huh. truly. I mean, uh, a Jewish person is free. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I guess we're not talking about some irresponsible thing. Oh, I think Johnny down the block, is, you know, is something stupid. But if someone is serious-minded and they, they think, you know, I believe like this— uh, that's not a point that would eliminate you from being a true and faithful follower of it would not. Torah. It would not. But I do want to make it clear for uh-huh. any Jewish listeners that it, in traditional Jewish thought, to say Jesus was divine uh-huh. or God or Son of God, that would be that's the problem. difficult to swallow. Yes. It is. Yeah, I get that. But but on the other hand, you were talking. So that comes to my question. I said, you said it's not a sin to believe that Jesus uh, is the Messiah. Yeah. And then I was wondering. Yes. Is uh, in my mind maybe from from hey, our go, perspective go ahead, as a Christian perspective? I know you got is it a say, sin? Got Twenty minutes left. Is it a sin not to believe ah, that Jesus? And is I said, Messiah? ask me on air because I have an answer. Well, the reason I ask it is because, and I told you as we were talking that uh, it bothers me sometimes. I'm 
I I get it and I understand and I'm very open as you know about I I in fact see myself more as a Jewish per, I've been grafted into Israel I, I, as a follower of Jesus of Nazareth and so on I, I I I'm trying to tear down that wall but on the other hand Jesus does make some very clear pronouncements you know if you uh, if you accept me before the for men I will accept you before the father if you uh-huh. reject me before I'll reject you before the father I mean there yeah. there are these places where Jesus seems to courageously and uh-huh. draw a line and say you know yeah, yeah I'm part and parcel well, of the whole thing and, and I don't is, know is there somebody you would like to keep out of heaven now, oh no! I am using the term heaven interchangeably with afterlife, paradise, uh, Ghani, Don, whatever we're going to call it. Yes, okay. So I'm using just a selected word to uh, yes. cover everything. Out of, uh, if I, out, uh, out of the group of God's people that are going to be with God forever, so eternally. There, so who do you want to keep out? <laughs> Koreans, Australians, the people from New Mexico? Who are you trying to keep out? Uh... Have you ever heard the term pale faces? No. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no one, no one that I would want. I want all men to come. Well, then there's your answer. Would you like the answer? Yes. I thought you would, and I would like to hear it again myself, so I'm going to explain. <laughs> okay. In let's pick, There's several places to say this, but the one that comes to mind is the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. In chapter 11. And even Jesus says this. So Jesus says it, but then Paul says it. He says, he says, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Even Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. So at the time, according to a Christian understanding and thought, religious thought, theology, um, when the Jews come on board, the time of the Gentiles is over. If it's over... If they come on too soon, then whoever it is you're trying to keep out, we can keep them out. So the point <laughs> it is... It cuts short the harvest, that's in other right. words. So in other words, according to Christian theology, both Jesus said, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, Jesus. And then Paul says in Romans 11, until the time of the Gentiles. In fact, he goes on, I like how he phrases it. He says, I would not have you be conceited in your own opinion. Uh, because God has blinded the Jews partially for a short time until the time of the Gentiles is finished. So it's basically, as I'm reading that, Jesus said it, Paul said it. Seems like I'm it's by design that it's so God who is... what I'm saying is mm. that Jesus, in Christian theology, it does seem to say that God said to the Jews, look, I want you guys to hold up till we get everybody in that's going to come in. So if you want the Jews to come in too quick, you're cutting somebody off. <laughs> That's a good answer, I think. Uh, well, I didn't make it up; I read it. Although, yeah, although uh, I, w- I would, uh, uh, I want to explain too. I heard uh, John MacArthur uh, actually this yeah, week, well, and that's... well, I don't worry. I'm not asking you to critique John. Okay, dear John, thank you very much. We love him, and he's our brother. But I heard him say this week: When did the time of the Gentiles begin? Uh, you might be surprised. No, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised that MacArthur would know. But <laughs> <laughs> it started with Adam. 
Oh, well, see, uh, that, that isn't what Johnny said. That's, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. No, he was saying that the time of the Gentiles began historically with uh, the destruction of the temple by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, well, he would say that. In 586. Yeah, he's, he's a, I'm sure he's a nice guy, and I, I'm, I'm somewhat being tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I know but you But look are. at that. But there was never an exclusion of anybody. In no, fact, no, there wasn't. No, yeah, so, we know that. So, uh, and I don't think that was me. I think he understands that, too. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think anybody who reads the scriptures would understand that there were a lot of oh, people. Oh, there's the catch. <laughs> you got to read the scriptures. <laughs> oh, cut it out now. But anyway, you know, I had never thought of I, I thought the time of the Gentiles probably uh, began with this Acts 5, Acts too, and, and uh, the explosion of the, the, this message across no, the Roman world no, and so on. In but fact, he was the, the first stories. one to kind of place the date. Yeah, I understand. But, you know, the, even the stories, we have the Book of Ruth, we have all yeah. the rest of it. We have uh, the, uh, Eleazar with Abraham. Sure, sure. We have all these other stories. And then we even have Enoch in the old, at the, right at the beginning of the Bible. Uh-huh. Well, who's, who was his ancestor? Uh, Cain. Ah, so there's never been an exclusion. No. Well, I, so, I, that was a shot in the dark, lucky guess. But uh, I, okay. Very good. But, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, but even you pointed out that there is something called the time of the Gentiles. There is, according said, according, according to Jesus, Jesus and, and Paul. And Paul he the, says, until the, the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And it does uh, look like there was a time when the emphasis, in a, in a big way, jumped from... Yeah treatment of Israel, the people of Israel, well, the people group. The reason the Jews understand, the Jews tell stories to get the same lesson across uh-huh. that uh, in the New Testament it's much more explicit, it's more, much more Greekish, mm-hmm. but the Jews tell stories. Meaning that, logical, right? I am, sure, no problem. <laughs> and English, Greek is a very, uh, very big, large, rich uh-huh. language. Uh-huh. Hebrew is a small language. But the point, the stories tell the idea. And from the story, you derive the principle. For example, as I said before, when the mixed multitude, not Jews, yeah. go with the, uh, the Jews out of Israel, they get to Mount Sinai. After Mount Sinai, the Jews understand this. The reason the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai, not in the country and boundaries of Israel, is because it was not intended just for Israel. It was intended for everybody. Never, always, And then yeah. that group of people, the mixed multitude, are never mentioned as a mixed multitude again. They're grafted in a mass. And they are now Israel, yes. They are. And when they inherit the land, they inherit the land equally mm-hmm. because they're part of the tribes. And so you get your... So from from, from, from <laughs> easy for me to say, right? Uh, so from the very get go, as we say here in Texas, it was always about all people. It was never really just the about. Jews have never one. had the idea of exclusion. Uh, the, what excludes somebody was pagan worship, worshiping other idolatry, gods, that kind of, idolatry, disobeying yeah. the commands of God. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And so what happens is is that by they leave Egypt, they're a distinction. Once they go through Mount Sinai, and it's important because the Jews have the principle that Mount Sinai was not the Ten Commandments. In other words, was not in the land of Israel because it could be easily misconstrued then that it's just for the Jews, but it wasn't. Now, what's interesting is, and I, and I know I got a few minutes. Okay, left. well, if Mount Sinai was that point uh, where they yeah. saw their unity, their uh, oneness, right, yeah. why can't? This companion date, uh-huh. Pentecost, uh-huh. which celebrates the giving of the laws uh-huh. at Mount Sinai, yes. and why can't this date be seen the same way? It can. That 
it really isn't about Jew or Gentile. It's about the people of God who love yeah, God, and, who and, honor and, God, and who desire God. Let's jump over to 15 because I've only got 10 minutes left. Uh-huh. Okay, look at Acts 15. <laughs> I'll give you the rest of these 10 minutes. Okay, the... no, we'll talk equally. I, I'll get two and you get eight. We'll talk equally. <laughs> okay, so, but listen. So here is the famous council in Jerusalem. And we're talking about non-Jews coming into the Jewish world. And the idea is, do the non-Jews have to become Jews to be included? And we know that... Uh, that's the idea. That's, that's the that's controversy. The that's the big question sure. at that time. Uh-huh. And James comes along, and he's in charge. He's mm-hmm. the heir apparent to Jesus. For making Half-brother of Jesus there in the church of Jerusalem. So, so he, he makes a ruling. And he says this, and this verse is all, when the first time I read this, I said, well, I know exactly what that is. And then I heard some preachers preaching on it and explaining it, and I thought, maybe I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but listen, so he makes a ruling, and may I read starting at 1520. Please do. 1520, and I'm reading from the NASB, a fine Bible. Good translation. Uh, but we have to write, James is talking, we have to write to them that they are to abstain from things contaminated by idols and fornication and things strangled and from blood. 21. For Moses of ancient generations has in every city where he is preached, since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath, it seems good to us and to tell the apostles and the elders with the whole church we have chosen men to send this message to everybody. So what he's saying is from the very beginning a non-Jew did not have to be Jewish to be included. There's actually seven laws there because one is you've got the court going on and the idea of believing in one God and his laws. There's actually seven of those rules. And there's a that la- I could call any rabbi today, and don't tell them it's from the book of Acts in the New Testament, but I could say, hey, how does a, a non-Jew, do you have some rules, something uh, that applies to non-Jews to be included equally and do everything? And they say, sure. And I'd say, what's the name of that rule? And they call it the Noite? Or Noite. The Noite. That, that's right, yeah. Noite. Just like the name Noah with I-D-E on it. These laws I just read to you are called the Noahide laws. And did you notice he says, from Moses, from ancient generations. So James is not creating a new law that Gentiles do not have to be circumcised. He's upholding the old law. And the Jews have always said that they don't have to be Jews to get in and be part of the group. Uh, but the only thing they've got to do is seven basic minimum things, and those things actually come from the book of Genesis, chapter 6 through 9. Mm-hmm. So the Jews always were included, but they said, you know, these are the basic things, but you don't have to be Jewish. You, your nationality is your nationality. You might be Yugoslavian, but, you know, if you want to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, for a non-Jew and you don't want to be Jews... Well, that's fine, but these are your basic minimum, and they were called Noahide. I could call the rabbi 
in Australia tonight and say, hey, what are, is there some rules for non-Jews? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They say, yeah, they're equal as long as they believe what I do. They don't have to go through all this stuff. They do not have to be circumcised. They do not have to go through all the rituals. It's very much easier for them. And that's why in chapter 10 with Cornelius, Peter never says Cornelius and the other fellows have to get circumcised. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is very interesting, and it's full of... I, I just wonder, you see this great example there of reconciliation and understanding from both sides. Uh, you see Gentiles recognizing and understanding and appreciating that this message of hope and redemption and salvation and you know that I can have a confident, secure relationship with the Creator of the universe. That all that 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 is a continuation of the message of Judaism. That that is not something brand new. It's an outworking. It's a continued outworking of the uh, of the revelation that God had been giving all along to to you know in the Old Testament, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, then Moses, and all the way through the prophets and so on. In other words, it's not new. It's and, and I want to tell you what I did. That I was real curious about this when I was looking up Wycliffe and mm -hmm. some of his uh, generation and their writers, because uh, I thought, let's go back, way back to the experts, right? And they talked. I looked up Acts 15, how they handled it. Now, they gave explanations for it. And I said, well, it was really what a lot of pagans were doing. They were eating blood for food and that kind of stuff. Well, that may be. But not one of them mentioned the word no-eyed. Mm -hmm. And so I realized at that time when I was reading it today, they were not talking to a Jew. I see. And so the... the they didn't understand the they the, didn't, that's right. the background that's right. that it came out. They thought of it as a new law or something. Yeah, well, and, James and I, just came they, up with a whole bunch of well, new. And so I'm thinking, well, what happened to verse 21 where it says, since the time of Moses? Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, and I kept searching that. I checked Recliff and some of these other guys, and I spent two or three hours looking at it. And I thought, and I was looking for the, somebody to say, well, you know, this is the law from Moses. And nobody happened to mention that. Okay, so we've got just a few minutes. Let me let me end up by asking you this. Sure, sure, See, sure. it takes me ten minutes to ask a question, and then I expect you to answer it in two. So. Oh, that's, that's an excellent. Choice. Isn't that interesting? Uh, what uh, what we see here there, there, there was a, there was a time. In a certain way, there's a way to view. There is a reconciliation. There is an understanding that uh, that we're not talking about two different movements, two different messages, two different, uh, it, the same God, the same scriptures, the same, you know, the, the, we are two groups that genuinely in reality belong together. And, and I would say maybe go as far as even to say that we are together, whether we appreciate it and understand it or not. Well, I, the, I, I, I have a question are. I would like to ask you. Uh -huh. This is a hard one, Soapy. Okay. I got to tell you, there should be a drum roll here. Okay. okay. Uh, that was John with his drum roll. <laughs> uh, this is a hard question. Okay. Now, we know in the New Testament here, in the Christian Scriptures, and at, in chapter 15. I I'm sorry, we're out of time now. No. Ah. Okay, okay. And then it continues on, and James repeats, repeats it. So he goes 20, 21, talks mm -hmm. about these laws, these mm -hmm. no-eyed laws. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter, in verse 29, he, and 30, he runs through them again. He says, so these are no, he repeats it twice. Now, here's my question. Are you ready? I oh, guess. Oh, that's a hard one. Is there any Christian church today that teaches 
this. These are the laws, as by the book of Acts and the Christian scriptures. For Christians, hard question, so Saying that we should not commit yeah. fornication, we should live sexually pure, uh, pure yeah, lives. Not eat blood. Yeah. That we should not eat blood, not uh, eat. Can't have your steak raw. Can't have your steak raw. Well, I'll be... I, I have a perfect answer for that, I but we just ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you next week. Uh, and we'll also figure out what language Jesus spoke next week. You have a week to give me the right answer. Uh, uh, you got to come up with your own. But it's, I know it's a hard question. But you, uh, It is. You have something you always like to tell I our do. listeners. Uh, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. Amen. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.